Welcome to Help from Future Self. Hey, what's going on, Archons? Welcome to another episode of Help from Future Self, the conversational podcast by and for Keyforge friends. I am your Keyforge friend, and this week I am joined, as always, by the lovely Essie Steele. What's going on, Sydney? Not much. Dealing with daylight savings time, but other than that, life is good. Yeah, seriously, you'd never think that an hour would wreck everything so badly. <laughs> <laughs> we are without the Scuzzy Gruen this weekend. For the next foreseeable uh, time, we will be without him. He is just uh, having to deal with some some family matters, and uh, we wish him all the best during this time. We are going to miss him, but Sydney and I have decided to take the helm, and ooh, we have we have a plan for the next little while that we're so excited. We kind of had a little powwow before we got into this and and came together and decided how are we going to move forward with these next few weeks and whatnot. And we have some great episodes in store for you. And we're super excited about one concept that we're going to be revisiting. But I'm just going to titillate you with that and not tell you anything more. Um, (laughs) So we did have some news, though, that is coming from... A great source, um, and I think Sydney will expound on that. So, what is this new, Sydney? Absolutely. So, for for everyone out there who might be on the fence about thinking, uh, is FFG just leaving KeyForge in the dust? We have proof that there is life on at FFG on the KeyForge website. So, recently, uh, and by recently, I mean like four days ago as of recording this, um, they uploaded some new content in the fiction section of their their Keyforge website. So I guess Ooh. it's not technically new content, but what they updated were sample chapters from both of their already released fiction books on The Crucible. So Tales from the Crucible was the uh, set of short stories uh, that you guys did an amazing episode on back in the day. And so they uploaded, <laughs> they uploaded some um, sample chapters from that. And then also The Cubit Zirconium, which is their full-length novel. They, they have some new stuff up there. And um, if I heard correctly from the pipeline, so this part is a bit more gossip, but they have also been handing out sample chapters at conventions. So they are pushing the Keyforge fiction, and that's actually kind of exciting. Totally. And like uh, I alluded to, next week we're going to go into this a little bit more. So for those of you who have not had a chance to dive into this, uh, take advantage of those chapters. And if you're listening to the podcast, maybe read up on it a little bit because we're going to have a, a little bit of a discussion about Keyforge fiction and what it brings to both the playing experience and just the enjoyment of getting some, you know, some good stories out there. Absolutely. And this is also just a reminder that there there are people out there that are, are still interested in the game of Keyforge that that you might not see um, every single day. So there are people out there mm-hmm. reading this, FFGs pushing it. And uh, another thing too is if you actually look, so you know there's a, a Keyforge deck counter. When you go into your app or on the website, you can actually see how many decks have been scanned by uh, by the, the Crucible, by all of us out here playing the game. And that counter has never stopped going up. There are still people scanning decks. There are still people adding decks to the Crucible on a regular basis. So if you just want to get a little bump 
bump of hope, go ahead and check out that number. And then maybe like a day later, week later, something like that, check out that number again. And it keeps going up. There are people all over still adding decks, opening decks, playing the game. There, there's still life in this wonderful game of Keyforge. 100%. All right. Time for the meat and potatoes of this episode. So we decided that we wanted to talk about a mutual experience that we've both gone through involving Keyforge, and uh, it's kind of relevant to that little tidbit of news. And that's when you get a bulk of decks and you just decide to live your YOLO life (laughs) and just open them all at once and just see what is in store for you. And I more recently have done this because of the French AOA. And for those of you familiar with my YouTube, you know, I opened 132 decks in rapid time. I think I did it in 15 minutes, if you see that video. And I, I do have a sped up video of me opening all of the decks. And uh, yeah, it was it was a thing. And I'd never done that before. And I felt some kind of way afterwards. And I'm curious to know, Sydney, what was your experience with opening a bulk of decks and, and what was the, the confines of, of the, those parameters that existed? So I don't know what it is about AOA that makes it so appealing to open in bulk, but I also had this experience, <laughs> but my, uh, my husband, Chris, he runs a, uh, he also has a podcast, a gaming podcast. And for a time he had a YouTube channel. So we, for YouTube wanted to open 150 AOA decks. I don't know where we got 150 from other than it's a round number. And, uh, then just do stats about it and have fun playing with the, the number of houses or the, the number of this type of card or that or whatever. And so we record a whole video of us just rapidly opening it and uh, we, we also did it sped up but I think what was really cool was how we placed it under the camera was we we placed it by sets of houses so you could watch the piles of the same three houses like decks that had the same three houses the mm. piles go up and we had well I forget off the top of my head which set of three houses never showed up out of the 150 decks there was one combination of three houses we didn't have any decks of so i think it's it was really cool to to try and explore this but of course the uh, the video never went up otherwise i'd be directing you to it now <laughs> yeah it's uh it's it's not easy making videos like that i was i was grateful it took forever to do as well cuz i believe it i decided to go open them all then i created a new Decks of Keyforge account just so I can have it all separate and look at it more easily. Smart. Um, yeah. And because it's all in a different language, it was kind of easier to oh, go that route. Oh, right. Um, and I was then able to just break down the stats literally by using the function that Decks of Keyforge has for searching to just kind of get different stats. And I was looking at same thing you said, like house distribution. So anyone that showed up more. And honestly, it was, it was cool to see that for the most part, everything stayed within... Other than Untamed, all the other houses were within five of each other, basically. Like there was oh, wow. only a differentiating of five and Untamed was nine was the the big difference. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, Untamed is probably the house I don't mind seeing the least of in AOA. <laughs> sure, yeah. It, it felt weird to say that because I do love Untamed. But when I thought about it within AOA, it's the one house when you're lacking Ember Control already, and that's one paired with something else. It's kind of doing the least amount of work for Absolutely. you, I find, unfortunately, because um, they're, they are so great. But so let's talk about how did you feel after opening 150 decks? And you have this, this 
whack a decks in front of you? Like what, what was your, like, did you, did you feel any emotional way in any type of way? Like, were you super stoked that you had all these decks in front of you now? Were you feeling a little disappointed afterwards? Like what, what happened? You know, I'm kind of interested to see how you felt about this too, but the fact that we actually did it for a YouTube video and not simply just 150 decks ready, go. We couldn't just stop to read any of the individual decks. So even though mm-hmm. I may have taken a second or two to scan over, especially to see the houses so that we could set it up visually the way we were planning, I didn't actually get to enjoy any of them in the moment. So it was kind of cool being in the moment, watching the piles rise, but I I didn't get to get excited about any of the decks. So I also didn't have any, in the moment, any regrets about not opening them because although like I knew I could eventually play them, I really felt like I there was nothing I was attached to. But then once it was all over, once we had opened them and sat them all in front of us and, and the recording, like we turned the camera off, I f- suddenly and immediately felt overwhelmed because mm. usually when I'm opening a deck is when I take the time to go through the, uh, the deck list. And so not being able to do that in the moment and having these 150 decks sitting in front of me, I kind of felt like, what, what am I supposed to do now? Am I supposed to just like look through all of these in front of me or, or like the stats was actually what saved me, like, I guess, uh, quote unquote, emotionally, because I knew I would have fun (laughs) with those stats and, and going through Mm -hmm. and learning things about them as a set of 150 decks. But, but I, I had to let go of my, my yearning to like learn about any deck individually because it was just overwhelming. Right. No, I totally, I totally get that. Um, I, I ended up getting a rhythm for opening my, the decks where I could literally go pop the bottom tab and then do this wrist motion with a quick jerk down and it would just like fly out basically. And I got really <laughs> proficient at it and then tossed the box aside. Like there was this pile of box next nice. to the table I was opening and I got like a really good rhythm with that. But, um, and, and like you said, though, you're not looking at anything. I literally can see the houses. At, they're coming in. It's, and I'm just sort of like noticing what's there. And it's kind of like, how much Mars is there? How much Mars is there? You know, yeah. everyone's looking for the Genka. <laughs> and and um, I was sad to only have two generosity decks in the whole thing. Oh, like, no Genka. No. Two generosity decks. And they were like literally in the low 50s of how DOK rated them, which was wild. And I played them and they were also not good. So there was oh, the confirmation no. that the score matched. And then, yeah. of course... Um, my buddy um, Daniel Busto, who you know online as Ban Solitude. Oh yeah. He responds to my video as, "Really? Oh, that's weird. I opened twenty six and got two Genka decks." And I was like, <laughs> "I'm like, you're the worst, dude." <laughs> so, it's kind of funny, like after the fact, going through my decks, like for for whatever tournaments or just for fun playing decks, and realizing that a deck that I'm I'm looking into was from that opening. Like our best Gray Rider decks were actually from that opening, and I only know this mm-hmm. because they, I have 150 decks that were scanned on that one day. So when I'm in Decks of Keyforge, I can see that the deck was right. uh, like entered into the crucible on that day. So it, it's like, oh, this was from that. Like I, I didn't find it at the time, but I bet had I opened these slower, I would have. Right. Yeah. Oh, totally. It's uh, it's, it's really interesting. And, and I love Sanctum in AOA. So that's, that oh, makes yes. me really happy hearing that stuff. It just has great interactions. I mean, I got, I got a lot of gang or not decks and I got like my best one. Like I love it. Like there's a gang or not deck deck that I opened it's like a double 
two of nice. each. Nice. And it has a war chest as well. So it's just like everything you want. So it's a chef's kiss oh, juggernaut totally. deck. It makes me so happy to like have it. And I really like playing it. And it's the top rated deck in the collection too. So it's uh, it's one of those pleasant surprises. And I honestly, I think there's a reason why so much AOA is open is because it has the greatest ratio of like something that could be amazing versus like the <laughs> decks are rare. Like I feel like the, the there's a yes. greater rarity in those decks and the ability to understand what's really good in AOA re- requires a, a greater proficiency and understanding of the game in general and the nuances within that set. Like you can't look at AOA from the standard purview of what other sets provide. Absolutely. And I also think that the the flavor of what is good differs as well because some people mm-hmm. may be looking for, for Ganka or some even Heart of the Forest, whereas I was actually really hoping we would get a good Grey Rider deck because that's that's totally my play style. And I was really mm-hmm. excited that one came from this. But but Chris was looking for Ganka as well. And so the fact that we, we got, I think, maybe we got a handful of them, but not a single one with a, a good uh, supporting Mars house or, or even two other other good supporting houses like it just none of those decks became feasible competitive decks but we we were looking for two different things even though at the moment we weren't looking for for anything at all right totally and that's just the way it is with these things and and so my emotional feeling afterwards was i felt weird doing it from the get-go because i i think i've mentioned on the podcast before i made a commitment to play every deck i opened and Mm -hmm. so Going through this process, I had to also acknowledge that I was not going to necessarily get to do that with this deck, or sorry, with all these decks. But at the same time, it provides a nice situation where I have my friend that I want to play with, and sometimes we can't meet up. So it's a great pool of decks where we can be like, hey, here's the link. Just go choose a deck that we haven't played before, and let's just choose two random decks. When you pick one, tell me what like area of of DOK rating it's at and then I'll find something that's similar and we'll just have a couple games type of thing. So it, it provides this pool for when we can't do our usual IRL games. We can go online and pick something from here instead and and just get on voice and, you know, still have the same sort of playing experience online, which is really fun to know that this exists. But uh, yeah, I basically broke my golden rule and, and, <laughs> and I was worried there was going to be a feeling of emptiness, like you're almost desensitizing yourself to the emotional oh, yeah. aspect of cracking a deck, getting to really look through and go, oh, that's so cool that this exists here and and things like that. Because looking at it from the analytical process of using the different parameters and constraints you can put within your collection on DOK to pull up decks that have an amber score or have a amber control score or you know all those board control right chase card aspects like proc decks genka decks you know all those sort of things you're going to look for as like ooh, did i get any of these it's not the same discovery because it's presented in such an analytical way that it takes the emotional aspect of discovery out of the equation you don't have the deck in your hand which mm-hmm. At this point in time, like we've we've opened so many decks, I think, in that fashion where you crack the box, you then immediately look at the deck list, then you and then sometimes you crack it open and you get to like literally feel the tactile feel of shuffling through the cards. Yeah. The smell of new cards <laughs> is a big one for me. I love the smell of new 
new playing cards. It's one of my favorite scents. I like the act of sleeving them. Like once you have them out mm. of their plastic, like for us, it actually, it, it benefited us that they were in their plastic bags after we took them out of the box because it really helped like keep them all mm-hmm. organized and together. And actually totally. some, some of the decks we opened because we had so many still in plastic were the ones that uh, earlier in this podcast, uh, when we were doing the giveaway, I wanted to give as as fresh as new decks as possible, but in as small right. as packaging as possible. So we sent out ones within their plastic. I don't know if I could actually do that for dark tidings right now because of the way that they're packaged only in one layer, opening the actual deck, like 150 of those in a row, even as, as organized as we were trying to be for the video, it just would get so messy right in front of me that I, I don't know right. if I could do that. No, totally. Yeah. The mess is like you don't realize the mess. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's insane. And yeah, I, I'm with you on the packaging thing. And and for me as well, these are in a different language. So Oh yeah. You, there's no reason for me to open them because playing them online is the most thing. It's like there it's literally gotta be the cream that rises to the top that I'm going to look to even bring to any sort of tournament because at this point, I'm thinking, okay, well, it's going to be in a different language, so that's going to be something that is a barrier to my opponent in certain ways, mm-hmm. and if they're not familiar. But I've I've brought a French deck before and played it, and I mean, my understanding of French is enough that I can get away with it. And we have, and because it's the second language in Canada, there's players that have a degree of knowledge of French as well. <laughs> Including we have one player who's from Belgium in French. So he literally nice. is like, he doesn't care at all. He's like, yep, cool. <laughs> so Isn't that how you got your hands on the French decks? They were sold locally to you? Uh, yes. I, I basically facilitated a, a palette or two of, of French AOA that seems to be, there There seems to be, I guess, Quebec. I think the key forward scene in Quebec is hurting. Mm. Where were or maybe it might not even be Keyforge. It may I think it's actually like game stores in Quebec took a hit. Sure. Because since the pandemic, the owner of Magic Stronghold um has reached out to me, I think, three times where he bought out like product, like going out of business product and bought pallets of stuff. Oh wow. So that could be three game stores either liquidated a majority of stuff or went out of business. I don't know the exact story, but he got it for like cheap, which I was able to pass on the savings to the community through Nice people just knowing that I'm that guy now. And uh, <laughs> he knows that I'm that guy that can move product for him. So the opportunity will continue to exist as those opportunities become available because of that. So bulk opening will be a thing for more people, <laughs> I suppose. Nice. Yeah, but uh, I I don't know Sydney. I don't I don't think it's something I would like to regularly do. If if I think if these were in English, I wouldn't have done it. But because they're in a different language, and and sometimes you know just Good reading point. the deck list, I'm not going to know the card name just from that. Mm-hmm. It changes the situation. Totally, and we haven't done it since. So like that one time was the only time we've opened that many decks at once. And I've actually I've bought decks before for like home tournaments we've played, like either at our game store or for for Keyforge Live. We bought like. So many decks for the um, the sealed preparation, but there was just so much like that. We knew there was going to be so much play coming out of these decks that like it didn't it didn't hurt as much to open it for a bunch of other people than it did to open it all for myself. Right, totally. No, I I, I get that. And the one thing I will say though is if you're a person with a mind that loves analyzing and doing different sort of stats to come out of something, uh, creating. Opening a bulk of decks and creating a DOK account where you can keep it like insulated just to that is, I think you will have all the feels with it because 
I have a little bit of an analytical mind and it was fun just like trying to create different parameters and seeing what exists. So if that's something that you really enjoy doing and it's it's all the feels for you, I do recommend like this may be something that you would enjoy more than some other people. Yeah. You don't need to savor it. It's more like you can sit down and really start creating confines of what that bulk of decks provided for you. You will absolutely 100% enjoy the crap out of this process. Absolutely. And especially if you can do something about sharing that with the community, that, that, that'll that be e- even more fulfilling, like being able to share the the stats with like a YouTube video or a post on Facebook or, or totally. something where, yeah, I think that's also something that the community really enjoys as well. 100%. All right. We cannot end an episode without the titular segment. We call this one... Help from Help Future, from self. future self. self. And this week... I have the help from future self. And it was an interesting one because I've run into this a couple times and it always really trips me out when it happens. So my friend and I play Keyforge regularly IRL. He's my best friend and I get to play Keyforge with him. It's pretty much one of the best things. We hang out weekly and one of the things we do is play Keyforge. I mean, what more do you want from a friendship? (laughs) (laughs) And we played a deck this past week a couple decks actually, where we, we we generally do a blind sealed adaptive thing. So we'll do, nice. we each open a deck, we don't look at it, we just shuffle up, deal out cards and play, trade decks. And then if the same deck wins twice, then we go to an adaptive thing. We have not played adaptive in a very long time. <laughs> like we have not gone to chains in quite some time for various reasons. One of them is sometimes the same deck wins so handedly that we actually do not want to go through the process. Like no one wants to play the other deck. doesn't matter how many chains exist. It's kind of like, yeah, this is just, it's not a fair matchup. We should not continue on with this. Yeah. But last week we had a pairing where the same deck won. We each played it and we each won with it. But the game was close. Like it was like what the deck won, but the other deck was also pushing check, but just didn't was just lacking just a little bit more Ember control to just really get that extra turn to, to be in check and push that advantage. And the other deck won both times. Oh, those are the best. Yeah, it was great. So it was fun that we both had the same play experience with the deck. Cause that tells you something that the deck itself uh, is providing that and it's not the person playing it that is adding that extra level of competitive edge we'll call it so after we finished playing um the same the one deck that was that did win one every time but and it, and it was the same outcome every time we didn't go to chains last time because they were so evenly matched we're like let's just try it again and i was like maybe i can win with this deck like it's so close maybe i can try and figure out the the thing that exists um and now that i'm speaking i'm actually realizing there's two helpful future selves here um (laughs) one is evolving a specific card what is reverse time and i think one of the things that hurt the deck that kept losing was reverse time and it caused me to make a decision where i'm playing reverse time because it has a pip of ember and puts me in check But at the same time, I just flipped my discard, which didn't have anything special in it. Oh, no. And I just caused myself to delay like it, like calling it reverse time is is pretty accurate because I just (laughs) stopped time of moving forward and went back. But I I really shouldn't be going back into those cards. They weren't helpful to the end game. And I didn't recognize that. And I even told myself, like, don't use reverse time. And I still did it 
the second time we played and I regret it after I was like, no, that was the mistake. Like that card is actually, I think, not that great in this deck. And it's a card like that you sometimes need to check yourself. And even though it had, it was a, a mass mutation. So it had a damage pip and an ember. So there's like that dual thing where like, oh, I can actually ping this creature and get it off the board as well as get ember. So it's even more enticing. Uh-huh. But the truth is you kind of have to sometimes have those moments in Keyforge where yes, you're not advancing the game, but the detriment or not even detriment, the the consequences of playing a card, whether positive or negative, can sometimes need to be taken into account for that short-term decision-making process. And I should have trusted my gut and just not been in check and pushed and allowed that card to just be discarded and go through the deck at a more appropriate pace. And then the second thing about this, which was super strange, was we're like, okay, what are these decks? So we scan, we usually like to do a thing where we scan the deck that lost first and see how it's rated uh-huh. and then scan the decks that 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 wins. So we scan the deck that lost and it was like a 68. We're like, oh, this, this other one must be like low 70s then because it's close, but it's definitely better. No, it was a 58. Oh my gosh. And it generated Ember like nobody's business and it had a 15 Ember generation score. Whoa. It made no sense. It was one of those, you know, there's in DOK, you get these anomalies that literally yeah. make no sense with all the stats or anything. And it was one of those decks where like, how is this 10 SAS lower and handedly beat the other deck like without hesitation each time? Like, wow. And generated Ember like nobody's business. It was really interesting to, like I find those things that exist the most interesting decks. And also it's like, the reason why I love DOK the most and also don't like DOK because it's so inaccurate, <laughs> but it's also like so fascinating that it exists that I love it at the same time. Oh yeah, totally. So yeah, that's my help from future self. That's, is, a, uh, that's a great one. Don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> 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 and you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. You get a two for one this week. So you can find us on Twitter at HFFS podcast if you want to reach out. But I'm going to be honest, like the Twitter is is not all that active. We appreciate everyone who does share the podcast that we put out through Twitter, just as a little reminder. But I have to say the Discord has been going gangbusters. A uh, shout out to Rick for always being on top of welcoming people into that. Uh, he really took upon that task of spearheading that community. And we appreciate you for that, buddy. Uh, you're doing a great job over there. And it's just been growing. And so if you really want to be a part of the discussions and the past episode ideas and whatnot, uh, please head over to that Discord. We There is a link in the show notes. Uh, Sydney, if people want to reach out to you and have a conversation with you personally about anything, what's the best way where they can uh, contact you? They can hit me up on Discord as well at SC Steel and then also on TCO as SC Steel. Perfect. Uh, you can find me on Discord as Boulevard Blake number sign 3840. That's BLVD Blake number sign 3840. And uh, if you wish to check out my AOA collection, it's uh, on the Decks of Keyforce site as Boulevard Blake 3840. Um, my YouTube stuff, apologies, was not popping this week. I'm still adjusting to a new work schedule and uh, just wasn't able to fit in content this week, but I will be getting back to that. Uh, I need to put out some whale hunting episodes and whatnot, and I appreciate the feedback everyone has on those. But you can catch us next week here when we drop an episode talking about some Keyforge fiction and all that goes into having that as part of a competitive game. So until next time, Archons, 
stay fortunate.